listeners, and welcome to the latest episode of Extra Extra. It's all about whiskey. I am your host, Jason JY. Over there is Joshua Morrissey H. Hatton. And every episode, <laughs> yeah, you want to know what the H stands yeah, for? I, I will tell know. you. I will tell you. No, I'm not telling you. <laughs> Regular listeners will know that each episode, one of us brings a whiskey-related news story to the attention of the other. We read it in the first half, we riff on it in the second half, and we always get out of here in a tight 35. Last episode, 35 minutes, even. Uh, I know what you're going to say. Because I like like being accurate. 12 seconds on top of that, Jason. It's a tight 35. There are no additional seconds. Tight 35, my friend. Oh, so you just ran down. I got you. Remember? Remember? Oh, I do This remember. was what you yes. said to Ollie. That's right. Yes. Always a tight 35. Always. <laughs> this was Bless the you. tightest. Anyway. Very quickly. Mm. Before we go on with today, and we are, we're back on Isla again today. It is a, it's a hot spot right now. Um, in our last episode of One Nation Under Whiskey, you mm-hmm. interviewed Ollie Chilton. Yes. Ollie is part of the team behind Port Natruin on Isla. Mm-hmm. And in the episode, you talked a little bit about housing connected to proposal for the distillery, on again, off again. I'm just putting this out there for listeners of Extra Extra. If you haven't listened to that interview with Oliver Chilton, as we know him, Ollie Chilton, uh, mm-hmm. please do go back and do so. There's also some comments in relation to that episode of Extra Extra uh, that exist within that One Nation Under Whiskey episode as well. Ah, so that's right, yep. So if you're a regular, dedicated, extra, extra kind of listener, I do recommend dipping back into the last Ollie Chilton episode of One Nation Under Whiskey. The, I, I feel like value was added to what we had previously covered in Extra Extra. Oh, that's beauty. I, I appreciate you bringing that up. Okay, so we move on. To, we move on today by staying on Isla, and Joshua. As much as this is your turn to bring an article to my attention, I know we're in a position where we've we've had a few people mention this to us. Yeah. Uh, once again, you know, Mr. Michael Nolan, who had brought the last Isla-related piece to our attention, uh, him and Jam, and uh, and he was he was excited to hear us talk about this and cover this Mm -hmm. and it's a story we've known about but we have sat on yeah it's it's we've kept shtum we did keep shtum right we i was on isla when i heard about this and and figured well this this really isn't my story to share i was kind of told on the dl and you know, of course, you may tell very tight industry friends, but it's not something we'd ever blast out onto our podcast unless it were, you know, we're interviewing the people at the distillery. But this story did come out. It's piqued a lot of people's interest. And so I think it's good that we talk about Master of Malt's article, which is titled, Isla Distillers Face Peated Malt Shortages. Are you ready, Jason? Are you strapped in? I am strapped in. All right. So the article, which came out on October 12, was penned by one Henry Jeffries. So there's a subheader. It says, there is no need to panic by yet, but there are Isla-peated malt shortages on the horizon for Scotch whiskey distillers, with Port Ellen maltings especially facing unprecedented demand. Here's the full story. 
It started as a tip-off from an anonymous source on Isla. Oh, Jesus, was that me, Jason? I didn't tip anyone off. <laughs> oh, I hope it wasn't Nelly. You. Oh, Nelly. You told oh, any Jesus. stories if it was you. So here's what Joshua Hatton had to say. Jinkies. Um, the supply of Port Ellen maltings to non-Diageo distilleries would be limited in 2023 and may be stopped entirely in 2024. So we did a bit of digging. Robbie Miller from Beam Suntory, owner of Beaumont and Lafroig, had this to say when we asked him, quote, We are aware of the Port Ellen situation and have been working to address the consequences of Diageo's decision to restrict supplies, end quote. I know you don't know off the top of your head, but it's interesting that Robbie Miller from Beam Suntory is just presented in that way, right? <laughs> like, like, Robbie Miller, uh, job title, from Beam Suntory. It's like, uh, just Robbie. Robbie over just at Robbie. Beam Suntory. Oh, he's just that guy Robbie. over at Beam. <laughs> yeah, yeah, rolls the casks. You know him, Robbie. <laughs> so this next section is simply titled, Peated Malt Shortages. And it continues. Then another major distiller on Isla told us, quote, Diageo has substantially cut all of their external customers for 2023, and I have not yet had a chat with them about 2024, but it is a distinct possibility. He wanted to go on the record, but Anthony Wills, ah, here we go. He didn't want to go on the record, but Anthony Wills from Kilhoman was happy to talk. Quote, my understanding is they, Diageo's customers, have been told from 2024 they will not be able to provide the level of malt they currently get. When we put this to Ian Smith, head of corporate relations at Diageo, he said ah, he... Yeah, there you job go. Job title. Oh, yeah, there you go. That's interesting. One job title, one not job title. Yeah. Uh, FYI, Robbie Miller is the managing director of Beam Suntory. Robbie! Just Robbie! Robbie! <laughs> <laughs> Yo, Rob. He said he, quote, and this is Ian Smith, quote, would not contradict what they are saying, end quote. Mm -hmm. He then released the following statement, quote, we can't comment on the detail of commercial supply contracts, but it is the case that we have seen significant increased demand for malted barley from our Port Ellen maltings. As a result, the maltings are operating at full capacity and we are managing supply accordingly. We deeply value our relationship with our fellow distillers and customers and are doing everything we can to assist them with, within the supply constraints alongside considering potential future solutions, end quote. Mm-hmm. And now it seems each section uh, has sort of a subheader. So this subheader simply states unprecedented demand. The problem is that demand for peated malt from Port Ellen maltings from Diageo's Isla distilleries is at an unprecedented level. Kalila was shut for much of the pandemic. Now it's back to seven days a week. Combine that with the resumption of distilling at Port Ellen for the first time since 1983 and the continued demand for Lagavulin, and you have a problem. There was talk in the past of expanding capacity at Port Ellen Maltings, but for whatever reason, it never happened. 
Georgie Crawford, formerly of Port Ellen in Lagavulin Distilleries, and now at Elixir on Isla, said, quote, It was foreseeable. Everyone saw it coming, yet Diageo took the option to not expand. Another Isla distiller said, off the record, quote, They should expand. Why haven't they? End quote. <laughs> uh, yeah, we, we chuckle, but this, this really is serious business. Anyway, he continued that it's not just an Isla thing. Quote, overall malting capacity is an issue. It's creaking at the seams, end quote. Anthony Wills from Kilhoman said, quote, securing malt supply for malt next year is incredibly difficult. Across the industry, there's a squeeze. According to Wills, Baird's Maltsters has just added 57 tons of capacity, while Simpsons is seeking planning permission for new maltings at Speyside. Quote, everyone is at full capacity, he added. Malt supply was further hampered by a fire in the peated kiln at Crisps in Port Gordon. Oh, I didn't hear about that. That would have been a story to cover. If only there were a news podcast. Anyway. Uh, Don't look at us. (laughs) (laughs) The next section is entitled Logistical Difficulties. One large Scottish maltster told us that it is not taking on any more customers. Quote, the amount of inquiries we are having to walk away from, it's more than I have seen in the last 30 years. Wow. That's a big number, right? Yeah, right? Oh, geez, I have to try to remember something for the for oh, the, for the riffing remember section. Remember and read. Oof, oof. That's a big Jason, ask. Jason. Hope there's no chewing gum in your mouth. <laughs> See me walk? Uh, with all the expansion going on, he added, quote, the industry is in a tight spot. He said that both Glenn Morangie and Beam Suntory had come to him for malt. He hopes that the demand will encourage Diageo and the other maltsters to expand. The Isla problem is particular, particularly acute. That word has a tough time in my mouth. Uh, particularly acute because even if distillers can secure supplies from the mainland, the island's creaking transport infrastructure based around Calmac ferries which we discussed, um, (laughs) make getting it there difficult. Currently, CalMac doesn't have the capacity to accommodate the additional freight that would be required. Plus, the fact that many distilleries depend on specifically Isla Malt for their flavor profile and the marketing. Not all peated malt is the same. According to Anthony Wills, Lafroig alone needs five or six loads of malt per week, each one weighing around 28 tons. That's a pretty hefty carbon footprint if it was all to come from the mainland. And then this is our final uh, paragraph. It seems this malt shortage isn't just a Scottish... Isn't just a Scottish or even... <laughs> your tongue decided it had enough. Scott, like your Scalder. tongue is just like, I'm out of here, brother. <laughs> I'm gone. I'll be over at the bar having a Cheers, beer if anybody needs me. I really am having a tough time today. <laughs> it seems this malt shortage isn't just a Scottish or even a British problem. Apparently, energy shortages in Germany have meant that some maltsters have had to shut down entirely. 
Never mind a whiskey shortage. What happens if there's a European beer shortage and winter is coming? Maybe it is time to panic a little. <laughs> oh, that, that is a killer last line. I, I like that. That was a jump scare of a last line. <sighs> there's a few bits and bobs to, to discuss here. We'll be back in the second half. to the second half where we can freely riff i've been i've been biting my tongue through that first half as you were reading through it am i right in saying that ollie brought this up as part of the last episode you you and ollie had this in the the interview in the last episode of one nation under whiskey well to yes and no i mean to be honest we had that conversation just discussing it you know very surface and I I actually removed that bit from from it because we decided at the end that you know none of these distilleries have really come out Diageo really hasn't come out and it's not our story to be telling Mm -hmm. I I, and I want I want to say this very clear as much as we're saying it isn't our story to tell we're not trying to say this isn't you know, Master of Malt shouldn't have shared this story, right? There's a reason we're reading it. It's it's newsworthy information, and so I'm glad the article came out. But we we so to, but to answer your question directly, we may have touched on it a bit during the conversation, but I removed the bulk of what what had been discussed because it just didn't seem proper to us. Yeah, it is interesting though that you say it's. That you don't necessarily have an issue with with Master of Malt blowing the the lid off this. I stories based off of uh, anonymous tips out of Isla, I think is is maybe taking a little chance on breaking a story. I, again, mm. it's it's not it's not Master of Malt's story to tell. Right. I, what I do like about this mm-hmm. is that Anthony Wills went on record when asked. Robbie Miller of Beam Centauri went on that record when asked. Yeah. Ian Smith of Diageo going on the record. Mm-hmm. Right. I like the fact that none of those three people ran from this when presented with it. Yeah. Uh, I, I think that is a worthy development from this story. Mm-hmm. I also like the fact that Anthony Wills talks about beards, right? Yeah. It's and other maltsters on the mainland and says this isn't just an Isla thing and and part of our conversations with Ollie as we're Mm. talking about Port Natrune and we're talking about Tormor and we're talking about contracts and we're talking about malt and fuel and caustic. Things are getting difficult within the industry. Things things have been difficult. Yes. And, and again, Ollie says yeah. this in the last episode, right? Glass, paper, cardboard, shipments, hauling, mm-hmm. right? It, it's all been difficult. Now other factors are coming into play 
on top of that. And so while, as Henry says here, at least at the beginning, it's not a time to panic, Hmm. it is a time to inform the consumer writ large. Yeah. Right? About the industry, the state of the industry. Hmm. And I, I wonder if we will see a, a larger statement coming from the Scotch Whiskey Association to give them a chance to set the record straight on where the industry is. Yeah. We read we read reports on bumper export numbers hmm. or export rebound post pandemic or exports are back despite the tariffs, you yeah. know, US slash Trump tariffs, right? Like we see those stories. Could we also get a level-headed story that says, here's where we are with malt, here we're where we are with energy? I'd I'd like to see that. Yeah. I'd like to see a responsible response. All of that would be really interesting to see and interesting coming from them too, right? As as the authority there. I had asked a question when when all of this came up on Isla. I'll be honest. I don't know. I don't remember who I asked the question to, but it it basically was, is the shortage because there's less grain due to the war in Ukraine, right? Because so much grain was coming out of Ukraine. Mm -hmm. Um, And and the, the quick answer was no, that the bottleneck was at the malting plant, not that there was a shortage of barley, which I found quite interesting. Yeah. yeah, I'm surprised by that answer. Yeah, I, I, I was. I don't, uh, I don't I think su- that's correct. This is what I was told. Yeah, I think somebody maybe told you what they thought you wanted to hear because because oh, really? we've certainly heard from other people malt prices are going up because there's not enough malt to go around because they can't we make enough that- of it. But it's not a barley issue; it's the capacity to malt the barley. <sighs> No, I understand that part yeah. on the malting side, but I think we also know there's not enough barley to go around, right? It's affecting food prices that there's not enough barley to go around. Yeah, no, that's that that's that is fair. As we were reading this, right, it 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 becomes this extra thing that that we've been talking mm-hmm. about incessantly, right? What's what's today's problem? Oh, there's a glass shortage. Yeah. Okay, right, yeah. right. What's what's now what's the problem? Oh, well, labels take longer. Okay, geez, that, that stinks. All right, what's the next problem? Oh, well, packaging. We can't get it out of China because of the COVID shutdowns. Okay, right. Right now, what's the next problem? Oh, it's casks, right? We, we can't get oh, yep. ex-bourbon yep. casks. And if ex-bourbon casks are, are available, a lot of times they're rinsed out because there's it's not just Jim Beam, but there's other bourbon producers that are trying to extract as much from that oak as possible. Like, okay, yep. what the fuck is the next problem, right? And, and it's just like pile, pile, pile. And, and now here we are with malt. And, and whether it is correct or not correct that, that the malting process is your bottleneck or not, my hope, at least for our, you know, putting an eye back on onto Ali, our, our last guest, you know, my hope is... For them, where they're doing the malting, it looks like they'll be doing the bulk of their malting on site. They may be a little protected, maybe. I'm not sure. At least in the beginning. 
But yeah, at least in the beginning, right? Look what Anthony's run into with Colholman. It's when you want to expand, what are the factors yeah. blocking you from expansion? Yep. And it's getting more malt. And so, you know, Anthony's got that same response of a floor maltings, but you're only dealing with a percentage of your own malting to get, you know, your spirit distilled. Yeah, you know, it, it would be interesting to know exactly how much output Port Ellen Maltings has t- ton-wise because pre-pandemic, we knew that Kalilo is a, a 7 million liter um, capacity distillery, but they were working it around 4 million liters, right, for, for, for a good while. Um, then they shut Right, so malt malt was available when there were four million. Mm-hmm. Then yeah. they shut. Then they're back up. It sounds as if they're yeah. back up to capacity. That puts a strain. And then and then of course, the new Port Ellen. But I'm not sure. Maybe mm-hmm. you know. Maybe you don't. Mm-hmm. What is the expected output for Port Ellen's new? You don't know. Yeah, I don't know off the top of my head. <laughs> but it's going to require malted barley, <laughs> yeah. whereas. For 40 years, it hasn't. <laughs> that's a <laughs> right? very good point. Yeah, that, that's a very, very good point. Right? That's three distilleries on yeah. Isla yeah. that the Diageo maltings are, are responding to the needs of while more are being built. Meanwhile, you've had Brookladdy for years taking it off the island and heading up to Inverness, getting malted and then returning to the island. And then the, the thought of, well, could, could someone else on the island do that? Yeah, comes with a carbon footprint and there's no infrastructure to support it. So, you know, I, I think it, when, I, when I read over this, it, it certainly made me think it's not easy producing whiskey on a Hebridean island. Nope. And Isla has done a phenomenal job of pulling this off. Mm. And as the demand continues and other factors come into play, like we discussed in the last Extra Extra, there's no easy solutions when you're based on a Hebridean island. Yeah. Every solution is difficult. So, so what do you do? <laughs> what, what, what do you do? Well, do you just... Do you do the anti-business stance and you just, you stagnate, you stop, you stay where you are, you're Anthony Wills at Colholm and you say, demand is far outstripping supply, but we're going to pull a spring bank and we're just going to stick to the numbers that we stick to? No, I think, I think you know, it was, it was interesting hearing hearing Ollie and his, his comments in our interview where I said, what are you excited for? And one of his points was, I'm, ex- I'm excited for these problems because it gives us an opportunity basically to solve the problems, right? And look, Springbank is Springbank. And Springbank <laughs> is going to do what Springbank is going to do while everybody is going to say, what is Springbank doing? You know, I, th- I think distilleries... Not like- increasing capacity. <laughs> I, Breaking I, news next week, Springbank expands capacity. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, in the end, distilleries are factories. And factories have always 
as much as they could, tried to vertically integrate their processes so they could rely on third parties less. Quite often, it was for a, a cost savings purpose, uh, mm-hmm. but now distilleries are in a cost savings, you know, this isn't about cost savings. It's about maintaining your current output, keeping people employed, and how do you solve that? How do you vertically integrate? How do you malt your own? How does Kilhoman potentially increase their maltings or Lafroy increase their maltings, right? They, they do 15% of their own maltings. So they're going to have to think about all of this. My, my guess is, and, and Henry mentioned it in the article and you've mentioned it in the past, because of the CalMac ferry system, to rely more heavily on maltsters off-island can't be supported by CalMac. It's got to be done on the island. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. It doesn't necessarily have to be done on the island, but I think that's likely going to be the answer for these distilleries, whether that's what they want to do or if they reluctantly do that. Final point, and then we'll we'll start wrapping up here, but this conversation has made me think of the conversation we had around bourbon and, and rye when we were talking about wood shortages. Mm. You know, sim- simply four hey, I barrels. I was told it was a good size, right? It- <laughs> You've never heard that in your life. <laughs> but <laughs> but when we discussed master. that previously, there, you and I were saying, well, maybe, maybe the tradition needs to shift a little bit here, right? Maybe yep. bourbon can't go into new charcoal. Can we, and we think, oh my gosh, we've just yeah. put the cat among the pigeons, right? Yeah. And now we start with this, like, well, if a solution lives on the mainland... You're not peating with Isla Pete on Isla. Yeah. How does that affect what you're distilling, what you're producing? Henry mentions it in the article, right? There's a bit of a marketing angle here as well. And, yeah. and we know that marketing departments will pivot to whatever they need to pivot to. But as consumers, what do we think about our beloved traditional Isla practices and methods changing to overcome a, a 21st century issue. Yeah, you know, I, I think I think Brook Lottie gets away with it, not using Isla peated barley because they are the right? They're the, they're the Mavericks, right? That's, that's been their story since the rebirth of Brooklady. We're going to, yeah. we're going to do it our way, right? They've built a new tradition. I just don't think Bomore and, and Bunahaben and, and these other non-Diageo distilleries can so easily say, here's a new tradition, right? Mm-hmm. You, if, if you start sourcing peated barley that isn't peated with Isla Pete, it's going to significantly change the flavor profile. Significantly <laughs> change the flavor profile. And so if they need to maintain that, they either have to get the peat off Isla, send it off Island, right. go, goes to Baird's, it goes to right. Simpsons, whomever, Muntins, whomever. They peat it, then it gets sent back. That's a massive carbon footprint in yeah. a time where all distilleries are saying, we're done with carbon footprints. We're trying to be green and, and, and right? It, fucking hell. 
It's a lot. It's, it's a absolutely lot. a lot. But yeah. we're not going to solve it in a tight 35, Joshua. We're only going to bring it to the attention of our listeners. And if you want to write in, give us give us your thoughts, questions at onenationunderwhiskey.com or info at singlecastnation.com. We'd certainly love to hear from you. If you have a non-Isla whiskey story, feel free to send that in. We can cover that on, a, on an extra extra. <laughs> Please, Just any so long story. Just so long as it's not about an impending yeast shortage. I just don't think I could take it right now. It's the last thing left. Oh it's in the gosh. air. So at it's least in it's the, in yeah. the air. Cardboard yeah, yeah, isn't right. in the air. Barley isn't in the air. At least yeast <laughs> is in the air. So. All right. We're going to get out of here, Joshua. Thank you for bringing this to our attention. Michael Nolan sent it in as well. Give us the link Thank uh, you. to all those industry folk we have discussed it with in the last week, month couple of months thanks to them and here we are wrapping it up getting out of here see you in the next episode peace peace jason there are comments on this article that that has me rolling. Oh, open up the article. Do you want to go one for one on this? Yeah, I'm taking it out of reader view oh, to right. expose the comments. Oh, you're going to whip it out and expose the comments? <laughs> whip it out of reader view? Uh, just the five. Just the five. <laughs> so the first one is someone who says, the person you hate. And let's let's... Let's see if his comment holds up to his, his handle. Uh, using Pete for this is fucking disgusting. Alcohol is truly the most destructive drug, apparently on more than one front. That sounds like somebody fun to go drinking with. They probably get into a fight in every bar they, they go into. The response from Bully is... At least there's no shortage of internet trolls. <laughs> that was good. That was that was very good. And then and then Paul Moss also responded and he says to uh, the person you hate, he says, Go fuck yourself. This is a way of life that has been for hundreds of years. If you don't like it, hard luck. Hard luck. I go. want to start telling people that more like Hard, Hard luck. luck. Hard luck. I'm with uh, John J. LaRue, who says, define molster. Yeah. And then he followed up. He says, are these peating warehouses? So I think John LaRue... Insightful. But, but I think John LaRue is asking a legitimate question. He doesn't know what a maltster is. And he does, oh, is a maltster these... a peating warehouse, right? So John LaRue, gotcha. if you're listening to this little Easter egg... Um, a maltster <laughs> is is a company that farms sell their barley to, and they will malt the barley. Producing the sugars that yeah. will then be present in fermentation for the creation of alcohol. There you go. There you go. Beauty. Jason, it's been real. Go fuck yourself. This is a podcast. way of life <laughs> that has been for hundreds yeah. of years. Yeah. yeah. If, this isn't, if this episode isn't a tight 35, hard luck. Hard luck. Hard luck. <laughs>